Hello, my name is Ran, and this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, we interview inspiring movers, thinkers, and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. I hope you're having an absolutely wonderful day. We are full swing into the holiday season here, and this podcast is coming out on Christmas Eve. So, Merry Christmas! As you may know, Joe and I took a short break from the podcast so we could visit friends and family in New Zealand. It was a great trip. We got to experience a lot of great yoga while we were there as well. When we were in New Plymouth, we practiced yoga at the Wellness Project, which is a beautiful studio right in the middle of town, and at Sanctuary Hill Yoga Retreat Center. And we actually spoke to Raman Bhavani from Sanctuary Hill on the podcast around a year ago when I was there last, and it was wonderful to catch up with them again. We also went to a hot yoga class with Jace Tapatu at a studio Afi Yoga in Wellington and it was great. It was such a sweaty class though and I was thoroughly rinsed out afterwards but I think we needed it after all of the time we had spent in cars and aeroplanes during our trip. Alright, so that's enough about my holiday. Today's episode is a recorded conversation between myself, co-host Joe Stewart and Claire Kaneen. Claire is a Sydney-based yoga and Pilates teacher, a qualified yoga therapist, and has a bachelor's degree in exercise science. She also facilitates teacher trainings in LV chair yoga, which is the subject of this episode. Claire has a passion for making yoga accessible, as do we, so we had a lot to talk about. Now, before we start the conversation with Claire, I just wanted to let you know about some very exciting news. Claire will be leading an LV chair yoga teacher training in Melbourne at our studio, Garden of Yoga. It's a comprehensive training and some of the modules include adapted asanas for single, double, pair, weighted and wheelchair yoga, anatomy and physiology for special populations, class sequencing and teaching techniques and much more. Now this is happening on the 23rd and 24th of March 2019 and I'm sure it will be a fantastic experience. Joe and I will be doing the training alongside you so I am super excited. I'll leave a link in the show notes and you can also have a look on our website gardenofyoga.com.au. Alright that is way more than enough from me, on to the conversation with Claire. So great to speak with you today, Claire. I was wondering if you could start just by telling us a little bit about your background and where you grew up. Thank you. It's lovely to speak to you as well. Well, I grew up in Sydney, Australia, in the suburb of Picnic Point. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but um, sounds lovely. <laughs> Picnic <it> Point. <laughs> and yes, there are, it's definitely a nice area. There's the George's River and some really beautiful picnic spaces and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, I grew up in the suburbs, and now I'm living in Newtown. So in a Westie, as the Sydney people would call it. And yeah, I guess at school wasn't really into sports or fitness or anything like that. I was a little bit overweight, probably not so confident and all of that kind of stuff. And um, it was really only my cousin came to stay and she was training to be an aerobics instructor. So we started doing aerobics Oz style in my living room. And, I aerobics Oz style. Well, I that too. We <laughs> really can't forget. But it was so, it was actually really good because it was a way of getting exercise but without going to the 
gym and feeling uncomfortable at that point. So that's kind of how I got into the realm of fitness. I was probably in about nine or 10 or something like that. So like 14 or 15. And then I started going to the gym up the road and became completely obsessed with aerobics and realized that was kind of what I wanted to do. So I started off teaching aerobics while I was at uni and it all kind of went from there. And so what were you studying at uni? So I studied a Bachelor of Applied Science. It was Sport and Exercise Science. Oh, so you really got into movement and exercise. (laughs) Yes, I did. And yeah, that was really great. It gave me such good background and everything as well for all that I'm doing now. You know, it's amazing. You think at that young age, not much is actually going into your mind and staying there, but then something will come up and you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that, you know, from from uni and you can always look back on your notes too. So it's really, um, it was a great course and definitely learnt a lot about human body and um, how we work really, which is really great. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Since you kind of came from a pretty non-sporty place and it sounds like you're a little bit uncomfortable in your own body do you think that's fed into the work that you do now which is really all about helping people explore movement in a way that helps them feel good in their bodies yeah definitely I think having that experience it, it kind of gives you an understanding of where people may be coming from and understanding that everyone is different as well. And that now it's like, why I understand that no body is better than any other body. We're all just completely different, you know, but I can kind of understand if people are coming to fitness classes or to yoga even, and just having that bit of a challenge with their confidence or with their body image and things like that. I mean, it's such a, even nowadays, it's still such a big issue for a lot of people. So it's nice to have that understanding from a personal perspective as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure even if it's not something that you verbalize, that Mm. acceptance that we're all so different is something that would really put people at ease in your classes. Yeah, that's right. I try to really create classes where everyone, even though it's a group setting, and I do work one-on-one too, but a group setting where people are treated as individuals within that class and have the opportunity to really have their own practice within within whatever class it is. Besides yoga, I also teach Zumba as well. And I think that that was a big awareness as well of just letting go a bit more in the realm of fitness and just having more fun and really allowing people to dance however they want to dance and not worrying about the steps too much and just being really just in a place where they can experience joy. And that can cross over into the yoga world as well you know, and where they get the opportunity to actually be themselves within that yoga class and not have to fit into any kind of mold or or do things that are not feeling right for them in that moment. Yeah. Oh, that's such a lovely philosophy to bring into your teaching. And um, do you have a background in Pilates as well? I do. So I started teaching Pilates probably almost 15 years ago, I reckon. (laughs) That makes me feel a bit old saying that. Uh, And it doesn't feel like that long ago, you know. And then I had a big break from that when I was, because I was just doing Zumba for quite a while there. I started going back to teaching and I started teaching Pilates again. And I realized how amazing it is actually and what a compliment it can be for yoga or for fitness and everything really, because it's a functional thing that sets you up well to move better, which is 
my aim of the game to get people to move better and feel better. So, yeah, so I can use some of the aspects of that within yoga and other classes that I teach as well. Yeah, I feel like it just gives you so many more options, especially if someone has injuries or limitations on the movements that they can do. You've got this whole other toolbox that you can draw from. And it's come in really handy just even in our, I'm studying yoga therapy as well and almost finished, but our last module, my case study client colleague in the class, she actually needed some core stability exercises. That was one of her challenges in her body. So using my Pilates background in that case was really handy. And you know, the Pilates concept of switching on the transverse abdominals and the pelvic floor, I mean, it's very similar to Mula and Pudiyandabandas in yoga. So it's a very similar experience within the body, I suppose. Yeah, I've always wondered if that was one of the aspects that Joseph Pilates borrowed from yoga when he was um, formulating Pilates. Well, there's a lot of things that cross over. Sometimes when I flip from teaching yoga to Pilates, though, I've got to remember about the breathing because a lot of the time it's opposite in Pilates to yoga and they breathe out through the mouth. So it's a little bit slightly different. But but yeah, there's a lot of things. And I don't see why we can't fuse that together to create an even more effective program. You know, like I think that's what's happened anyway through most of the fitness programs and, and all that's been take people just take things from what yeah, they've absolutely. learned is it into a new program, you know. So yoga lattes in a way kind of has a has a place in our world. <laughs> and so yeah. through all of these different movement disciplines, are there any really key standout teachers who you've come across? Um, definitely Lakshmi, who created the chair yoga program that I teach. She um was, I mean, I hadn't actually done my yoga teacher training when I first went over there to do that course to New York and I really loved it because for me it was a bit of that oh am I going to be good enough to do yoga I haven't been practicing enough regularly you know I practice on and off as we do sometimes over the years and maybe it'll be one of those trainings that's full of ego and whatever and um, I ended up doing the chair yoga teacher training and the biggest thing I got from that was just to accept myself and to be wherever I was on that particular day because that's really what we encourage our teachers to be like with our students as well and so we were learning a lot about the way we speak to people and ourselves and all of that really important stuff and then as soon as I got back from that someone called me about yoga teacher training and I was just like that must be the right one and I'm just (laughs) gonna take it and it ended up being perfect for me and and I could just go into that feeling like myself instead of really worrying about what anyone else was doing. So that was someone who was very inspiring and still today, obviously I'm now working with her as well, which is awesome and still have the deepest respect as well for her and what she's done in the realm of sharing yoga with everybody, not just somebody's, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so how did you first discover Lechmi's work? What drew you to New York? Sorry, I was teaching Zumba Gold, as I mentioned, I was teaching Zumba. And I've been working with seniors a lot over the years. And we just did three breaths at the end of our Zumba Gold class. And at the end of the three breaths, everybody in the whole class just went, ah, and I had one of those light bulb moments, like, oh, I need to do yoga with these people. And I was sort of searching around here in Australia, but there wasn't really many programs. I actually couldn't find anything for seniors. And I also 
love New York. And when this one came up, I was like, right, that's a really good excuse to go to New York and <laughs> I can get this amazing knowledge, you know. But I actually had never heard of chair yoga before. I would obviously been doing some chair fitness stuff with seniors in the past, maybe even a bit of chair zumba, but chair yoga was a whole new concept to me at that point. So that's how I found it, it was actually through just not really having many trainings here in Australia and finding that online and great excuse to go, hey? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I've actually been over there quite a few times before I even brought the training out here. I had been over quite a few times assisting and being part of the training and around and every time I was just so inspired and, and I just was saying to her, can you come over and do a training? You know, we really need this program here, not just for the physical effects, but the way that it's taught is so kind and loving. I just think it brings so much empowerment to people and love and they just feel amazing within themselves as well. So I was really keen to get her over, but in the end it turned out I became the teacher trainer for the Southern Hemisphere, so even better. Now I get to share that myself with everyone else here. Obviously, with those breaths at the end of the Zumba class, like you already had your own yoga practice, even if it was kind of not every day. Would you like to tell us a little bit about how you first discovered yoga? It was probably at the gyms that I worked at that I really discovered yoga. I even probably like used to cover a few yoga classes, even though I wasn't qualified back in the day. If someone couldn't turn up, you just kind of jumped in, you know. But yeah, there was just a few yoga classes. It wasn't really as popular as it is now when I first started teaching, but I probably just came to it through gyms and then over the years have joined studios and practiced and found out kind of different styles. I also found that different teachers and styles and practices resonated me with, with me at different times over the, the years as well. Probably not even consciously knowing why, but probably to do with whatever I was going through at the time, you know, that's what yoga's very good for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's one of the beautiful things about yoga. Like there's so many different teachers and different styles that yeah. you always can find that approach that just exactly resonates with what you need at that time. Yeah. And you often just fall into it. I yeah. think that's the universe kind of guiding you in the right, to the right person at the right time, you know, just dropping you into this certain class. And while that class may not feel like what you need at that time it's often it can feel challenging or because the thing about yoga is it just makes you really go within and just really face up to your stuff and and so sometimes during that process you'll find that that class that you're in is like so challenging and hard and you just can't wait to get out of there you know you get that feeling but then afterwards you're like oh, okay I needed that <laughs> thank you <laughs> It's through those challenges, isn't it, that we really learn and grow. Absolutely. And this might be a bit of an obvious question, but do you think you could describe what chair yoga is and why you think it's so important? Well, basically it's yoga in a chair, <laughs> to be more obvious. But the reason that I really love chair yoga is that it means that everybody, it doesn't matter what body you're in, it doesn't matter what experience you've had, it doesn't matter what flexibility or balance level, ability, disability, everybody can practice yoga then because the chair basically brings the floor up to the person and it means that it's accessible to everyone 
And the other thing is that everyone can be practising in the same class. Like you might have someone who, say, has had a stroke and only can use half of their body, but they could be in the same class as someone maybe like even a kid or an older person or whoever could all be practising in their own way within that class. So it makes it really inclusive. And I think that that's a really important aspect of what we need as humans, that social contact. And so if we can bring people together through yoga in that way where they feel safe and supported, not only by the chair, but by the the actual process and program itself, then that's a really beautiful thing that can connect with other people. Absolutely. Like it is so powerful just to give people that space where they can just be themselves and move in their own bodies and have that structure of the class, but also like that variety of movements so that there really is something that is accessible for everyone. That's right. And they can also, like if there's any fear of falling and that, that is a really common thing. And I think it's also instilled in in people as they get older, that that fear of falling and and just having the chair there, or or if they do have a disability or a stroke or something and they don't have their balance, so on one side, then it just takes all that fear away. So I hear a lot as I'm talking to people at festivals or wherever I am that I can't do yoga. Oh, I could never do yoga. I can't do yoga. I could never do it. And it's for those people, you know, it's the people that really feel like they would never ever be able to do such a thing because they get a bit freaked out by all the you know media with kind of really flexible people on mountaintops and things like that yeah Um, crazy poses which is great good on them honestly they're amazing (laughs) but for people in say the real world but I mean there's a lot of people that aren't those athletes and flexible people and they just get really scared of trying yoga so it gives them an opportunity to just give it a go without any fear yeah absolutely have you got a favorite sequence that you like to do in your chair classes that maybe you could describe to us yeah there's so many but I really love working the spine I think it's a great opportunity to really move the spine and get it going in all different directions. So I could probably give you just a little like spinal sequence. It's really Yeah, simple. that sounds great. A lot of things you can do. You can do lots. People think you can't work your legs in chair yoga, but trust me, you can. <laughs> but today I think we'll just focus on the spine and because we sit so much. So this is something that anyone could do, even if they're at their office desk or whatever, to help their posture and get all the little muscles working in their core. So to start off with, the most important thing you need to do is to move away from the back of the chair, more towards the front of the chair a little bit, but so that you feel grounded. And then take the legs so that they're hips distance apart with middle toes pointing forward. And at the knee, there's a 90 degree angle. And then you press the feet into the floor and feel how the spine gets really long and tall and the crown of the head goes up towards the ceiling. The shoulders can roll back and down into the back. And already just from sitting up on the chair instead of sitting down, it creates this whole new feeling within. There's so much space to breathe. All the organs have room. The blood can flow. The energy can flow. And you kind of feel empowered already. When we sit down, we kind of go into that hunch mode of like, oh, I'm not really here. I'm not present. I'm not really, I'm hiding. And then when you sit up tall, you just come out of your shell. So that's the most important pose I could give everyone sitting mountain. 
But from there, we can take a breath in as we are sitting in Sitting Mountain, perhaps just following the breath for a couple of rounds, just breathing in through the nose and out through the nose and noticing where the breath is flowing. Feel it filling up all that space within that you've created from sitting up on the chair. It's amazing how different it feels just with that extra push down into the feet. Right. And you feel your core switch on as well. Yeah. And you get taller. (laughs) I'm like, wow, everyone's grown five inches now. (laughs) But that's the way you can help your legs as well. If you're in an office at work, just pressing down into the floor because the quads get so switched off. And as you know, we really need those for our walking, for our hip, for our knee joints and to just press into the floor. So stimulates the knees as well. So yeah, it's a really great idea. If you're sitting a lot during the day, just remember to sit tall and press down a little bit. Yeah, so I'll lead you through just a little few exercises if you want. So we'll just breathe in in sitting mountain, pressing down into the floor to keep the bottom half of the leg stable. And and on the exhale breath, just slide your left hand up your leg towards your hip as the ribs turn towards the left. And then on the inhale, come back to centre. And on the exhale, slide the hand up the leg on the right, turn the ribs to the right, and inhaling back to centre. Do one more to each side. We're just adding a little spinal twist and just sliding the hand up the leg is also bringing some energy into our thighs and also some awareness and that sensation of touch as well, which is really important. From there, you can bring your hands either to your hips or perhaps your shoulders if you like, or even take them up behind your head. We'll breathe in in the center. On the exhale breath, start to tilt over a little towards the left and then inhale. Press through the feet and come back to center. So we're taking it into a little side bend here. So we're taking our ribs up and over as we go from side to side. Taking to the left, back to the center and exhaling to the right. And then back to the center. And then back into the middle. You can take the hands back down to the lat. And on the exhale, tilt the body forward out of the hips, but keep the spine really long. And then lift the heart up towards the ceiling. Hug the elbows in. On the exhale breath, let your tailbone go long. You'll feel that core switch on again. And lean back in the chair, lengthening the back of the spine. And inhaling, lengthening the front of the spine as you tilt forward and lift the heart up. So this is kind of like cat and cow on the the mat. Yeah. And we often tell people to, you know, if anyone has um, any osteoporosis or hunching in the upper back, it's best not to curl the spine, but just leaning back. But if you want, you can really lengthen into the back of the spine as well and make it a little bit more round, always keeping space though. Maybe just taking one more forward and back. And then we'll just come to sit back up into sitting mountain. Hello, Ran here, just popping in to tell you about another event we have at Garden of Yoga on Saturday the 19th of January. It's called Beyond Asana, The Journey of Awakening via Tantra Yoga, and it's with Karalia Grant. Now, we spoke with Karalia on the podcast a while back, and among other things, she told us all the things she does to help facilitate amazing workshop and retreat experiences. So this promises to be an incredible afternoon. Joe and I will be there as well, so I hope we get the chance to catch up with you. I'll leave a link in the show notes, or you can find out more at gardenofyoga.com.au. All right, back to the conversation with Claire. 
Is it a challenge to think of new and varied sequences for your classes or is that not really what it's about? Like is it more about consistency for your students? Yeah, no, not really. I think it it really depends on the class, but it's like with any yoga program, you know, all of the poses you can do on the mat, you can do on the chair. So you can create sequences that are towards a peak pose. You can create sequences that are themed with the seasons or with whatever it is that you really want to theme it at or a particular condition as well. But I do find that certain classes do quite like consistency a lot of the time I'll keep some of it the same but then so they have that familiarity and then they can um, add on to that and progress as we go on it really depends on the class so do you want to kind of take us through some of the different classes that you teach in the different places that you teach yeah so I teach a lot of seniors which is in community centres mostly. I've done workshops in aged care homes and things like that as well. And in those places, even in the community centre, you can get quite a variety of people. So working with people with dementia or Alzheimer's and things like that, it's really wonderful because they don't have to get up and down, which is great. Also, oh, I'd love work- to kind of go into that a little bit more. Do you find that this yeah. is like a really helpful practice for those populations? Again, it gives them a sense of being around other people, which is lovely. But also it's this, I think it's the breathing too, you know, and there's a lot of things you can do to help with Alzheimer's and things like that with yoga, you know, and if you can work with people in early onset as well, it can really help with how quickly it comes on, you know, as well and things like that and helpful in preventing in certain cases as well. I find they really benefit and I've had some students who kind of forget where they are but when they come like you see them kind of click in and go what am I doing but then they just settle into it again it's like this calming feeling for them and I imagine that sometimes that condition can be quite scary so it's just a really beautiful way to bring that peace to them yeah definitely I wonder if they just kind of sense the energy of everyone else in the room and just kind of pick up on that calmness Yeah, I actually didn't really realise that until I was talking to you just then, but that is exactly what happens. It's just this energy it must be in the room and of the other people and my voice or whatever it is that we're doing, I guess. And, yeah, it's amazing. We can keep the brain stimulated as well, which is really great too, even if it's in short bursts. Yeah, like I've I've seen a few studies about the benefits of neuroplasticity and kind of making those neural pathways Mm. and learning new movements as a way to help the brain regenerate and help with balance and things as well. Right, that's right. Well, that can help then again with falls and, and all of that kind of stuff that can happen in those conditions too. But you'll find people with, like I've mentioned stroke a few times actually today, or just any any condition where one side doesn't really work as well as the other for some reason, they can actually use the other hand to help and and because they're stable, they don't have any, any worries about that. And then you, that can actually recreate those pathways again and suddenly they start moving that other hand by themselves again. So you just never know the power of those kind of things. It must be so rewarding to see that happen in your classes, just like those incremental week after week changes and then someone's oh, able yeah. to do a whole movement again that they weren't able to do before. Yeah, that's right. But even the little things, like there was a lady at the Mind Body Spirit Festival and she came and sat. She's like, I can't do this, I can't do that, you know, I've got this and that, blah, blah, blah. She was very negative in her thinking and um, she sat down not thinking she'd be able to do anything and we just did, I just taught her about the core and 
Uh, you know, she'd had a lot of physio, but no one ever actually taught her how to do it properly. So, and um, we did a few movements and she got up, she's like, I'm so excited now. I'm going to go home and do all of this stuff. And she had this big smile on her face. And I just thought, wow, like five minutes of just someone being with her and and just of her moving and, and realising that she's not as stuck as she yeah. thought, you know, it just changed her whole demeanour. So there's those moments as well where you go, oh, that's why I do it, you know. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So beautiful. I almost cried. <laughs> do that a lot. <laughs> do you use many additional props as well as the chair? Yeah, so there's a lot of different things you can do. I like to use blocks under people's feet if they're shorties like me. <laughs> That's always really great because it gives them extra height to be in a stable position. Also using, say, for example, you can use a cushion or blanket or bolster, depending on the size, but behind people's backs that are having difficult is sitting up because that's actually quite challenging for a lot of people that's always really good straps are fantastic you know to add the extra element we also teach weighted chair yoga so we have hand weights and that's really great for people who want to build more muscle mass and bone strength so yeah there's there's so much you can do with props as you know probably if you've got a yoga background you yeah know. <laughs> yeah it's uh it's just amazing and also the other prop is a, another chair that's, oh, that's yeah. another thing we teach a double chair and or triple chair even, <laughs> but that just opens up a whole new world of what you can do because you can really bring the floor right up with that. People with disability can put their legs out on the chair. Just there's yeah, amazing things you can do with that. I imagine your goal is to give people this real variety of movement and to help them move in as many different directions as is possible mm-hmm. for them. Are there any movements that you find are kind of more challenging to accommodate in a chair? Like I imagine like hip flexor stretching could be one of those ones that's a little bit more tricky because people are stretched, are sitting in flexion when they're in a chair. Yeah, but don't forget you can move around on the chair. You don't have to stay right in the middle. So for a hip flexor stretch, for example, you could turn to the side and drape one leg off the side, which is what how we would do, say, like a present lunge. Or- oh, like a seated lunge when you're half on the chair. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's strong. And it I'm doing it right now. It's strong. Yeah, <laughs> it can be. But you don't have to take your foot all the way. That's the beauty of it. You could turn to the side and have someone with their foot just, you know, at the first leg of the chair, someone with the second leg of the chair, more of a 90 degree angle, and then someone stretching all the way out. So, you know, there's those levels where people can still feel safe and hold the back of the chair if they want. So there's millions of ways. I think the biggest thing is to look outside the box of, of, of how things look and go into more about how they feel. Because um, if you're trying to recreate some pose that looks a certain way on the mat, then if you, you can sort of go maybe how that feels on the ankle, how does that feel on the hip, how does that feel, and then recreate that on the chair. So So just kind of like getting to the real essence of what you're trying to achieve with that pose and then exploring how you can get to that on the chair. Yeah, and that's how you have to learn about adapting as well because not everyone's going to do the pose in the same way as you and even on the mat anywhere. So what if someone didn't have that extension in their shoulder? What would you do then, you know, and how would that feel and how can you recreate that feeling for them in their way? So, yeah, it's just taking that individual approach again within a class setting. 
And I think as well, if you think like that, when you're thinking about structuring the class, it actually mm-hmm. often comes through in people's instructions as well. Like people often tend to give really great functional cues that are all about how things feel in the body rather than aesthetic cues, which is about getting your arm or your leg to a certain place. Yes, that's right. Although I have experienced many classes where it's all aesthetic, <laughs> but you know, which is, I don't know if that's safe, you know, because I think while I have really deep respect for yoga tradition and poses and everything, but we have a bit of a different world now. And I think in order to get to those poses, we have to take it step by step and we can't just try and and emulate that peak pose. I guess you could even call a warrior to a peak pose for some people, you know, because that's really challenging for a lot of people with hip tightness and and whatever. Um, But yeah, so I think we've just got to peel it back and get to the essence of what yoga is all about, that individuality and that being able to explore and feel and grow. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, not how can I force my body into this shape, but it's Mm. like, oh, what can this pose do for me? Like, what can I, what benefits can I get out of that and then if someone else's body moves in a different way like how can I set things up so that they can get those same benefits as well in a way that suits them yeah and I think we forget that like I and something's really obvious when you teach seniors or someone who's had an injury or whatever that like some for someone straightening the arm completely out might be a stretch but for someone else it might just be with the elbow at 90 degrees but they're feeling things in the same way as what you're feeling with your arms stretched out I notice that a lot with hamstrings people just feel it even sitting up on the chair sometimes you know so to take their foot out a centimeter is enough for them and that's their stretch they're getting a stretch there and if we take it further we're just going to force force it and then muscle's going to seize up anyway isn't it it's going to go I'm scared I don't want to do it so so it has the opposite effect so just taking it really slow and I think that's something we need to do too isn't it just really slow down so we can feel yeah we're just rushing through all the poses when we're going to learn and that's also that's when the practice is such a balance to the hectic pace of a lot of people's everyday lives it is that space when you can slow down and really feel into things rather than just rushing Mm. off to the next thing Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's great to have those lovely slow flow classes and, and time imposes. Yeah. So you can really explore what's going on and be honest about it and not just push it aside, you know, and know that that's okay though. Cause every day we change, don't we? We're never the same. We're never the same minute to minute. So we shouldn't really hold any judgment about where we are in a particular pose it's always going to feel different every time you go to it. That must be something that is really something that you probably have to manage in your classes, especially when you've mentioned a few times people who've come to you who've had a stroke and their difference day to day. It's not just like, oh, this muscle feels a bit tighter, but maybe there's a whole side of their body that doesn't respond anymore. And I imagine a lot of your role would be a bit of emotional support for the people who are dealing with those really big changes in their bodies. Yeah, that's right. I actually just got goosebumps as you said that. But um, it's it's very important to be really aware of, first of all, the condition that you're working with, but also uh, how you're talking to people and the words that you use and the language so that you can offer them that feeling of, and, and whatever else you use, you may use touch or you may, all of those aspects or even just your own energy. But just being really aware of creating that safe space for them so they do feel supported and loved, really. 
and that they're okay wherever they are they are on that day is okay they don't have to they're good enough just as they are and I think that is so important for people who even people who may have been not feeling that all of their lives for some for whatever reason you know to just allow them to be okay just as they are and accept them how they are yeah like it's such a powerful aspect of this practice yeah yeah it is it's actually more powerful than the poses I believe so or on par at least (laughs) yeah or the poses is just a way that we can get to that state exactly it's a catalyst isn't it I understand that you've either recently released a DVD or the DVD's coming out very soon. Yeah. Would you like to tell us how that came about? My grandma actually really wanted me to make a DVD, so I did. Oh, Nana, so nice. I know, she's so great. Yeah, so she's 86 now and for her to, you know, she still gets out and about, but I think especially for my grandfather as well, he doesn't go out as much anymore. It's really great they can have something in their living room to practice with and that was sort of why I really wanted to do it more about I mean I don't really need to be on a DVD you know but more about sharing it with people that maybe couldn't or didn't feel comfortable like I mean I started with aerobics art style for example you know maybe they don't feel comfortable going to a class just yet or they can't get to one or they're in a rural area the internet doesn't work very well whatever the reason you know maybe they just want to do it more often so that was really why I created it. So it is finished. And we had a few copies there at the Mind Body Spirit Festival. So we'll be getting all the other copies in within the next week or two. So it'll be ready for sale very soon. Excellent. Well, oh, I'm put sure the link in there. By the time the, the podcast comes out. So we'll leave some links in the show notes. For awesome. That. Yeah, yeah, I should have the link up on my website within this week. So we can um, we can definitely link it up there. Excellent. And I think that... Yeah. You know, probably DVDs are a perfect medium for people who might be a little bit older. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. And they still have DVD players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm also offering it as a digital download so people can nice. get it. Um, yeah, exactly. They can download it if they don't have a DVD player <laughs> anymore. It's like I remember when VHS and all of that went out. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it's all changing technology all the time. So having the digital download will be good and so would that be a good resource as well for yoga teachers who maybe just want a few more options in their repertoire for limited mobility or is it more aimed purely at the participant to do their own practice with no it's definitely for both yeah I think yoga teachers could really benefit from it to to yeah get some new ideas and and think of different things they can add in to their practices or ways to adapt different poses of course yeah I'd love to make some more in the future as well with other people in there with different levels and and showing some of the other aspects of what we do as well with our program be really cool I must say, like, I I do teach quite a few older people in community classes, but I also use chairs in my corporate lunchtime classes because they're always in a meeting room, so there's always chairs there. And sometimes it is just a good option if you just want to do something different with people and you don't have a lot of other props because I'm not bringing a bunch of bolsters and things in there with me just to kind of use the chair. And that's right, and that's the thing, any chair, anywhere, you can... Sit where you sit. You don't even have to change your shoes. You can wear your heels if you want. You can wear your pajamas. You can like, you know, it doesn't matter. You can be on the train or 
plane or whatever, like, and practice yoga, which is great. And you can move more. That's the main thing when you're sitting a lot, if you're working in the office, you know, yeah, there's no excuses. You can just do it right where you are. Even just bringing that chair mountain pose in, I could imagine it actually be a really good reset if you find that you've just kind of got into that computer slumped position just to kind of ground yourself again and lengthen your spine. Yeah, yeah. and also the, then the productivity as well. You know, when you have those brain overloads because you've been staring at the computer, but just stopping and even just for three breaths, you can feel the difference. It helps the brain as well. More oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> just to like wind back to your dvd like how was the experience of filming it like were there any kind of unexpected challenges or things that surprised you it wasn't really that hard like I actually thought it would be a bit harder (laughs) Um, I think I again kind of went into that just thinking you know what you teach every day just just teach like but it's it's very different teaching to camera rather than people a lot of the time in my classes I'll adapt things because I'm seeing what's happening in the class but in this case there was no one there to give me feedback so so that was kind of interesting factor of doing the DVD. I had a really great editor as well who was really helpful so that that was a good thing but yeah I thought the process was was fairly easy actually luckily. I guess it would have helped as well, like knowing that you're doing it for your grandparents, like that's a really nice um, thing just to have in your mind as you're doing it rather than just sending it out to this anonymous audience. It was actually kind of more weird when it came to the Mind Body Spirit Festival and they were sitting there made, finished, and then people were buying them to take me home to their living room and saying that. I was like, oh, that's weird. And, you know, I've been on YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff, so I know that people watch me, but, like, I don't know, it's something different about them carrying you in that DVD and (laughs) taking you home to the lounge room. And my toes, you know, rolling my toes on the screen. (laughs) But um, you know what, if it helps, I had to get over myself. I was just, you know, if it helps more people move and be healthy and happy, that's that's the the aim of making that. So, yeah, get over yourself, Claire. (laughs) Let them take you home. So funny. <laughs> yeah, that was actually more weird than actually doing the filming, I will say. <laughs> it's actually receiving the DVD in my hand. So I was wondering, do you teach classes for people in wheelchairs as well, or is this a whole different type of thing? Yeah, well, we actually include a part on uh, working with people in wheelchairs in our training. And because of yoga therapy, I've learned more about that as well. But I actually have got people in wheelchairs, but they're in the same class as everyone else. So in my case at the moment, I have worked one-on-one though with people, I will say, but the people that are in my class now, they practice with everyone else. And it's it's to do with the levels of flexibility that they can feel that, you know, they can go to wherever they are. And depending on, it depends on what their disability is as well. But um, sometimes they might have a carer there as well, which is great because they can help them move their arms if they need. So there's, there's opportunities for them to be in that class as well and integrate with everyone else, which is a really special thing. Yeah, definitely. Because everyone's in a chair. So it's really nice. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the good, like how we teach well I teach you can stand up and do things of course and I do do that in some of my seniors fitness classes or whatever but in most of my chair classes I don't get up and down I just teach seated the whole time 
So then when there are people in the class that have that feeling, they don't feel that they can't participate at any point. They can do something all of the time. A friend of ours, he was in a motorbike accident and became a paraplegic because of that injury. And he actually had a rod inserted along his spine or maybe it was through his spine. Like I imagine someone like that would be more of a one-on-one, like that would just be the best option for them. And I guess like one of the questions that I had, which I kind of did a bit of online looking as well, is if someone's had that kind of a surgery, is the goal to kind of feel as much movement as they're kind of comfortably able to feel or do we not push it because there's a lot of nerve damage and they might not be getting all the same messages back from their body? Like is there yeah, much of a concern of doing more damage with these types of movements? There could be. I think you've really got to, before you work with people in those conditions, actually research and find out more and more about the condition, talk to them about it as well. Talk to maybe if you need to talk to their kids, if they're seeing someone else as well, I would really advise to just get as much background as you can first before you start working with people like that. It is easier to work with them in a one-on-one setting because you've got more opportunity to individualise their practice, which you can do to an extent in a class. But when when we're talking about people who may need that extra special practice, depending on where they're at. But, yeah, so talk to their carers or their family as well and figure out what they need. But I think, yeah, you have to be careful with messages because what we're seeing may not be what they're feeling yet or the other way around. So it's really about keeping that connection open with them as well to be part of the feedback of their practice and to be part of their own experience, you know, and probably... But but we forget sometimes that like yoga isn't always about moving. A lot of the time we can affect parts of our body and healing by just breathing or sending energy or doing mantras or mudras. And so there's a lot of ways that you can practice without causing more damage, you know, physically in a physical sense. Yeah, I think as well, it's that it kind of comes back to a little bit about what we were talking about before about adapting each pose, like not having this fixed idea in your head about what a pose should look like, but the practice as a whole, like not having this expectation of like, oh, this is yoga. Like it's kind of tuning into what that person would need in that session and how you can just shape what you offer. That's why like, yeah, the other yoga tools, we forget about them a lot, don't we? Like I use them a bit, but but yeah, like all of that stuff is so powerful as well. And it, it doesn't even have to be about even moving any part of your body in a posture kind of way, but maybe you can do some work from within. But I think for, for people who've had that kind of challenge, just that that really, like often they feel, I don't know how your friend feels, but often they feel a, a bit of anger or frustration and all of that stuff. And that's where we can really support them as well to help work through that that emotional stuff and that mental stuff that comes along with such a a big trauma, a big impact in their life and life change. So I think yoga can be very supportive in many, many ways, in all aspects of us, not just that physical realm. And do you find that when you're working with people, say you kind of did just focus more on meditation and more on pranayama and more on relaxation, do people want to move 
as well? Like, is it a combination of both or kind of like subtle movements and then into the meditation or is it, do you find that people are usually pretty receptive to the more Mm. subtler aspects of the practice? It depends on the person. Like, for example, if someone is very, very anxious and wound up and you try and get them to sit still and meditate, it's not going to happen. You have to offer them a pathway to get there. So you might have to introduce some breathing connected with movement. It's like doing a yoga practice and going to Shavasana. If you just went straight to Shavasana, you'd probably be like, oh, what's your thinking? What's going on? Think about what I'm going to have but, for lunch. <laughs> exactly. But if you, you find like it's so much easier when you give yourself that, that movement into the meditation in a way. So for some people, they'll need that. For some people, for example, who are very depressed, like like the anxious person needs to come down, but the depressed person kind of needs to go up. So you gotta you gotta think about that person and what they need in that moment. And, and if if you just get a depressed person to sit still and meditate as well, they're probably just gonna go into a really negative headspace and well what depends on their particular condition. But so that could be also not a great space for them to be in. So movement yeah, could not be helpful. Yeah. And movement gets the stuff flowing because sometimes you get rid of things that are stuck and, and you so yeah, so it really depends. But there is a real value in being still, I believe, as well. I think we really need that so that we can listen and hear and, and grow and have the time to accept all the things we've we've been doing like we do when we do Shavasana. We can get people out of whatever that state is, then they will be able to be still um, you mentioned earlier on that you actually are the Southern Hemisphere main teacher of chair yoga and uh, yeah. teacher trainings. Would you like to talk about the teacher trainings you offer? Yeah, for sure. So we do a 32-hour teacher training course and at the moment we're running it online and via Skype. So it's 26 hours of self-study. We send people their manual, which is 200 pages manual full of so much juicy stuff so we send that to people and then they have access to online content as well and we also do six Skype sessions which are one-to-one which is really great because you get to be you get to really know each other like I think of all my students as my friends they know my cats I know their dogs it's like you know we get to be in each other's living room and and it makes the course not just any old online course, but something really special and personal as well. You get the chance to ask questions and practice the practical in it live with someone, you know. So I really love the aspect of it. And then next year, I'm going to start doing some live teacher trainings as well. Just booked one in Brisbane the 2nd and 3rd of March and we'll set up some other ones around the same time around Australia, maybe in Japan, uh, New Zealand as well. Oh, nice. Mm. (laughs) For our final question, if you could distill all of your teaching, everything you've learned down to one single essence, what do you think that one thing would be? Wow, that's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) We say the best one for last. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that, guys. (laughs) I'm a Gemini, you know. This is going to be really hard to pick just one. <laughs> oh, you can do two. <laughs> um, I think the essence is just love, isn't it? Like I know that sounds cliched, but it's loving what you do, being passionate about it. It's loving the people as they are that you're teaching, loving yourself as you practice, as you are. It's it's just 
and encouraging them to love themselves more. It's all of that. It just really comes back to love, doesn't it? But like at the end of the day, that's why I'm doing what I do to create more joy and love in the world. So, oh, and just I, from speaking to you today, like I'm sure you are absolutely doing that in so many people's lives. <laughs> like the work that you do just sounds so beautiful, and you sound so kind of accepting and compassionate and really enthusiastic about what you do as well. That I'm sure you just bring such beautiful energy to your classes. Thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. I still get shy when people say things like that too. <laughs> but, Running um, trainings all over the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> I know, but it's a funny, isn't it? It's a different type of shyness. <laughs> but I do think what I'm doing and this whole movement towards more accessible yoga for people is very important. So I am really passionate about it and I don't think I could have ever run a business uh, like this if I if I wasn't because you've got to be 100% behind it and and I really am. So I'm glad that that is showing through. It really <laughs> does, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because I do think it's important on so many levels. So, yeah, thank you for honouring oh, that. Thank you. Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and, and your wisdom and, and the passion and the stuff that you're sharing with the world. So it's been really great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and letting me share all my stories with you. Oh, our pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. So that was our conversation with Claire Kaneen. I hope you enjoyed it. As I've mentioned, Claire is passionate about accessible yoga and Joe and Claire recently spent an afternoon together working on ways to make aerial yoga more easily accessible and they posted some great clips on Instagram. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. We are really excited about the workshops and trainings we have coming up in the studio and we hope you can make it along. Now our next episode, the first episode of 2019, is a conversation with Gina McCauley. Gina is a yoga teacher, a qualified yoga therapist and the owner of Yoga Hara, a yoga studio based out in Bendigo. Now we talk to her all about her journey with yoga, about yoga therapy and we learn about her very special adrenal healing workshops. It's a really good episode so look out for that one. Now this is our last episode of 2018. Joe and I just wanted to say thank you so so much for listening to us. We feel like we've come so far in the last year. At the time I record this we've had over 12,000 downloads and more listens still on Spotify. So we are incredibly honoured that people choose to listen to our little podcast. We have some amazing guests and some incredible topics lined up for the new year and we look forward to bringing these episodes out to you. As always, the theme song is Baby Robots by Ghost Soul and used with permission. Get us music from ghostsoul.bandcamp.com. Again, thanks so much for listening. Aroha nui. Big, big love.